Hello everyone and welcome to episode 14 of Off The Record. As ever, please remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway, welcome to this week's show. My guest this week is Jen Bostick, the American country music and Christian music singer-songwriter who's based in Nashville, Tennessee. In 2012, her song Jealous of the Angels won her five awards at that year's Independent Country Music Association Awards. Her latest album, Revival, will be released in May of this year, so just under a month away. And uh, there'll be an album release party on at Bush Hall on May the 1st, so you must all get your tickets for that. So yes, be very excited for that latest album that will come soon. The record! Off the record! You've recovered from your jet lag now, but how was your trip around the UK? It was great. Yeah, I did. Um, well, I had two trips actually to the UK, which has been crazy. Wait, two so, trips in the space of however many days, weeks. I know it was crazy. It Madness. was like two trips within three weeks, not even. How so the jet lag? How could you even do that? That's amazing. It does it. It's funny. Like it's. I think it's somewhat mental. Like you just kind of yeah. have to tell yourself like this is the time you're going to sleep and if you want sleep you're going to sleep during this time you (laughs) You know so coffee helps for sure yeah so I know you you, because you've been back and forth to the UK but do you feel like you get more out of each experience as you go or is it sometimes feel like a bit of a homecoming because you because obviously you've been here so much and people really like receive your music over here yeah I love coming over I feel like I've created some really great relationships there and the it, the June show, or not June, my goodness, the February show in... <laughs> All the um, months blurring into one. London, it's totally true. Can you tell I'm like everywhere? No, but I, no I, the, I just don't even know what February, end of February show in um, London was great because it was a pre-release. So I got to do it with the full band that I'll have on tour in oh, April and May. Amazing. So it was just kind of like a taste of what we'll be doing on the road. And I did a big Q&A in the middle of it. So that was really fun. Oh, I l- always love playing with a band and it's rare that I get that opportunity. Yeah. So that was fun. And then I came back over to do Bell Nash in Northern Ireland, which was great. And then I went over to Scotland to do Country on the Clyde, which is kind of like a yeah. pregame type situation for country to country over there. Amazing. So that was just wonderful. I got to play with a lot of my really good friends and I haven't been back to Scotland for a while and it's not on the full band tour. So that was nice to get over there. Yeah. Cause it must be really hard for you guys. Cause I know actually it was one of the, um, uh, talking to someone at country to country, they were all saying how difficult it is coming over because you know, you can't always bring over the full band cause it's just, it's just not always logistically possible. So I guess that's always quite an special thing to have that when you can. It is absolutely. And it gets, it just gets expensive, you know, like with yeah. having to pay players and figure out how the transportation is going to work and well, how the lodging is going to work. And you know, there's yeah. so many different expenses. It's the equipment as well as much as everything else. Oh my goodness. Yes. Anyway, before we um, dive into like your music now and all the things I always talk to people about, you know, their musical journey and how they got into and kind of just to sort of understand where they've how they've arrived at where they are now I guess so obviously you've got the um you've got like elements of, like you, you know you've got the Christian the gospel side and that sort of thing you've got like blues and the rock and the country and it's just all like a you know 
I guess like a music melting pot. Um, but you so you, I know you grew up um, in Philadelphia, but someone said I think this was one of my reading things of um, you uh, played a lot with your extended family. Is that right? My immediate family. So okay, yeah. I didn't. I grew up in Minnesota. I was I born in Philadelphia, in so there okay. tends to be that confusion. That <laughs> I, but I don't remember any of it. So I was yeah. there for about a year of my life, and then most of my life was spent growing up in Minnesota. Yeah. But my brother is a bass player and songwriter and oh, piano player, guitar. He plays everything. Does he so he and I have played some tours together. He and I have actually toured the UK together in the past. Wow. And my dad was very musical, loved yeah. music. He always said after he retired that he would be playing full time and he wanted to record an album, but he never got that chance. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom is very musical. She loves musical theater. She still does senior theater shows. So I would say it's more my immediate family. I'm not oh, sure okay. my extended family really has much no. musical talent. <laughs> so did you play a lot of music together as a, you know, um, when you were a small child, um, sort of playing around it, the piano and that kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. It was kind of a, a family family time after dinner and things like that. My dad would play piano and yeah. or guitar and we'd all sing. And That's such it a special thing. Special, yeah. yeah. And then obviously when you're dad passed I've read that it was a sort of a way to connect with him um did you find that like hard initially because obviously yes it's an amazing connection but that could also be very difficult like a difficult thing to do when you're with the music and then when you're going to um write your own music it's still like it's such a personal thing it went with it starting off that way Absolutely. But I think if anything, it taught me to be honest and vulnerable and transparent in my writing. And whenever I played, I kind of pour everything into it because it is this expression, this art form that I'm able to just, you know, get everything out in. And that's what it became for me after I lost my dad. But there is also a sense of peace when I play that it's kind of like everything's right in the world when I get to play, you know, and that's, that's that's a blessing because it, I think I've, I've gone through a lot of highs and lows in life. And I think that in some of those deepest lows, I'm grateful that I have an outlet like that to yeah. I you guess know, just get things expressed. Most, yeah. And that's often where the most, you know, the most real and the most, I don't know, the most memorable songs come from that, that, you know, really de- digging deep into your emotions and all the rest, all that kind of, but getting, yeah, get all that emotion. Yeah, out, I guess. really. And so, but where did the sort of, I guess the sort of Christian elements to your music come from. Did you did you ever sing in church growing up, or is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up singing in church. I was always in. They have like the little musicals and things like that in church that I was always a part of. And I started leading worship when I was in college, oh, and then gosh. I moved to Nashville, and I am on a worship team here, and I've been singing yeah. that ever since. So that is, I mean. For me, that's where the root of all music comes from. And yeah. so that like has been the basis of everything I do. My, my faith is really important to me. And so it's I believe that that's, yeah. you know, where I got my gifts from and where I, you know, where my talent springs from. And so just to honor that in kind of the, the music that I make, I, you know, I never want to push my my faith on anybody. But I no. think there's positive elements and hope in in the Christian faith that, you know, shine through in the music and people can interpret it the way that they choose and I just hope that in the end it's kind of encouraging and empowering to people rather than you know being something that is beating them over the head with you know 
it's all positive messages and like that, you know, it's, yeah, people can, and I think there's all those elements that people can interpret as they wish. Um, do you ever find it sort of hard um, playing that sort of style of music or is it, um, I guess, but I guess like things in church, you get it's, it's like a spiritual sort of, you, you know, community kind of feel to it as well. Yeah, I don't find it difficult to sing yeah. that kind of music. I think that there have definitely been comments that yeah. have been made to me, like saying, you know, like, oh, well, this is too too Christian for pop or whatever it is, you know, and like from the you. industry. But to me, that doesn't really matter. Like my yeah. my goal yeah. as an artist is connect to connect with an audience and that is happening. So, you know, <laughs> regardless of what the industry yeah, has to say, it feels like I'm on the right path. Well, I think that's always been the thing with your music, which I really admire. It's like, even from the beginning, it's, you know, I, I, we can talk about this, but your experiences in the industry itself. Um, but it's, it's very much like you're being who you want to be. That's the interpretation I get out of it rather than yeah. necessarily like <laughs> falling for necessarily what a label says or, you, you you know sort of like your your music whereas I think a lot of artists not 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 every artist obviously but like a lot of people can get swayed by what the industry wants them to be if that makes sense yeah absolutely and I think that if I had had all of my dreams come true when I was you know 21 and moving to Nashville that mm-hmm. I might be a different person and I'm really grateful that I'm not I'm grateful yeah. that I've I've kind of had a lot of challenges and you know didn't get the big record deal and didn't get the big you know booking agency and I think that that was really good for me because I had to kind of learn learn how to do those things on my own but then also I think it affected my music and it continues to affect my music because I'm I'm able to be who I am and I think I was able to figure out who that is you know and who I really want to be and the things that I really want to say in the world if you're Mm going to have a voice and I'm going to you know, if I'm going to write songs and put a message out into the world, I want it to be the message that's truly authentically me rather than what somebody's telling me to do. Yeah. And I think any hint of that, that kind of started to creep into my life through different people that I've worked with, I kind of was able to recognize it immediately and yeah. kind of change the direction so that I was able to do what I want, you know? Yeah. And you started off, um, so you studied at Berkeley College of Music, is that right? I did. Yeah. And um, so did you know sort of when you went into into that college that you wanted to pursue music as a career? Did you know that you'd be a singer or was it sort of just I want to pursue music? I just knew that I wanted music to be a part of my life. Yeah. I came from a really small town in Minnesota, so although I was really encouraged and supported by the community, it was very much a place that I it was kind of like we'll get a real job and then, you know, like it was very encouraged to to do something where you could actually yeah. have a stable income and then, you know, like the chasing your dreams is nice, but, and so I didn't really have the confidence to go out there and yeah. be an independent artist and, you know, be a recording artist until I got to college yeah. and I was majoring in music education. I love working with kids and I just love that mm-hmm. light bulb that goes off when the something clicks yeah. for yeah. somebody with music. And for me, I mean, songwriting, I still think it saved my life when my dad passed away. Like it was everything I needed and I had people there to nurture that and kind of help me channel it into songwriting and channel it into music. And, and I think that to do that, I still would love to do, but that's what pushed me into yeah. majoring and in, in studying music education. Mm-hmm. So I got my degree in education oh, 
and so what not wasn't yeah. even in songwriting that's really interesting that it was in that yeah, I actually didn't really write too much until I graduated, until my senior year of college, yeah. I guess. That's when I really started writing. I had written a few songs back when my dad passed away just as therapy, but yeah. I didn't really understand form or like a, you know, what a near rhyme was or just some of the elements, some of the toolbox All things. All foreign things. <laughs> yeah. Things outside my toolbox. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, I think that my time at Berkeley, I kind of discovered that you know, I, I really do love teaching and I still mm-hmm. like I, I do songwriting workshops and things like that whenever I'm oh, out on the road because I love working it. with kids. That's but I think there was a part of me that thought if I don't pursue the performing side of it, if I'm, you know, if I don't really try this, I'm always going to wonder. Yeah. Do you ever meet kids then when you're um, doing those workshops? Do you ever sort of meet people and see kind of see yourself as a younger child, you know, thinking like kind of sharing that? Do you know what I mean? Oh my goodness, absolutely. It's it's interesting too because of the power and jealousy of the angels and just kind of that really yeah. raw connection. I've had teachers kind of set aside, like if I go into a school, I've had some teachers set aside certain kids oh. who have maybe lost a parent or lost a grandparent who they think, you know, like really might benefit from some music. And I've had some one-on-one time with those students as well. So I think that That's amazing. I've been able to see, yeah, I've been able to see the power in music and just kids are so, they're sponges, you know, like they mm-hmm. want to learn and they want to, they want to experience things. And so it's, it's really great to go into a community and just get, yeah. you know, share the, what I know and share the wisdom that I've and acquired that's the years. To, for them then to sort of see, you know, you come out this and this is what you got out of it and kind of making it a positive thing. It's just, that, that's a really amazing message for kids to take on. Yeah, and I try, to, I try to explain to them too that, you know, like you see like the Taylor Swift or whoever it is on television. And mm-hmm. yes, like that person is very successful. And I happen to be a fan of Taylor Swift. But yeah. I think that kids don't understand that if you're not, that like you can still have a successful life like a financial you know, financially yeah. successful and like heart successful life Success in the music comes business in different without forms. being that huge star yeah um and the other thing also I picked up on with um your study as a college is you went up and down the east coast and I don't know whether you went to Iraq and Kuwait but you performed I did. troops R- really how was that that must have been a, it was amazing. A nice yeah. Like amazing pinch sort of pinch me amazing experience. Yes. I was in a cover band in during college and yeah. I learned so much in that cover band about performing and I think that was actually one of the things that gave me the confidence to be a performer. Yeah. And for man, three and a half years I we traveled every weekend all over the East Coast and my senior year of college we were invited, the band was invited to go overseas to perform for the troops as part of an armed forces entertainment tour. And it was three weeks long. We went to Iraq and Kuwait and performed pretty much every day for the troops. And sometimes we were outside with like sand blowing in our faces. And sometimes we were in like these beautiful theaters, (laughs) but protect my guitar, protect my, protect. Right. right. But I think in those moments you don't even care because you realize like, it, there's there was so much power and so much growth in that tour because you realize you know like there's so much going on in the world that mm-hmm. like if we don't see we're removed from mm-hmm. and I remember I'll never forget kind of some of those conversations I had with some of those soldiers that said you know like for a moment 
during your show, I forgot where I was, you know, and like that, those were such powerful, impactful moments. And I think that that's also had a big impact on the songs I write and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like you never know what a song can do for somebody in that moment. And maybe it's just that one time that they hear it, that it affects them. But that's like, that's a special thing. And if I get to be a part of that, like that's, I'm so grateful for it. And you know, you changed someone's life in that moment. And that's what I guess what every person wants to do. <laughs> um, and so going back after college, so obviously you you moved to Nashville. Um, how did you always know you wanted to move there? Was that sort of, uh, I guess, just how did that come about? Did you just decide just I'm, I'm going to go there? That's where I need to be. I was singing a lot of country music in college and mm-hmm. I had gone on a spring break trip that the college put together in Nashville a few times. They bring about 200 students down to Nashville for spring break and they mm-hmm. set up these different panels of songwriters and musicians and lab- label heads in the in the industry and you kind of get to learn about what the city is like. Yeah. And it Nashville definitely has a small town feel to it and growing up in a small town that the idea of living in New York or LA or London, like it it overwhelms me. I'm very much like, I I want my backyard. I want my garage. I want my, you know, you don't want to live in a shoebox. You don't want (laughs) to live in like an area the size of, yeah, a shoebox. (laughs) Yeah. Just my style. And so when I moved to Nashville, it didn't, or when I visited Nashville, it didn't overwhelm me. And I felt like, I feel like I could build a life here. And I think that's such an important, like that self care and like knowing, Mm. knowing where, where your heart's going to be the happiest is so important. And I think that once I moved to Nashville and I was kind of given a lot of feedback that I might be too pop or too rock for the country Which industry. so bizarre. Such like, uh, <laughs> everything about it. When someone says like to this, for this genre, I just, uh, Oh, I know. My mind. <laughs> it's you <music>. and me both. <laughs> but there were these moments that I thought, well, maybe I should move to LA or New York or try mm. something else. And I, I had so many people tell me that I should, but I just felt like Nashville felt like a, a place I could build a home. And it's, I mean, it's a great economical city. Like you can, you can live for an affordable rate, like something that I can actually afford and not have to be stressed out about. And that, to me, that was the quality of life here is just so great. And the community itself, like the friends I've created, we're all just trying to help pull each other along. You know, like there's yeah. not that competitive spirit that you find in some cities doesn't exist here. And I'm so grateful for Which it. Which is a really it's, beautiful thing that you, yeah. because it could be the case that, you know, an industry where everyone, well, lots of people are trying to make it big. They're trying to get, you know, on the radio and all that stuff. It could be a, just a kind of toxic, particularly being a small right. place, but it's beautiful that I hear from so many people that that's not. Yeah. Which is really cool. And you play, played at the Bluebird at that time and is that right? And then you've, and obviously you developed a lot of relationships with songwriters as well. Have those survived the test of time? Do you still write with those people that you met initially? Yeah, I do. I do still write with some of them. I think mm-hmm. that as we all grow as artists and writers and kind of evolve, some styles start to change and that's just a natural progression, yeah. you know, with anything. But some of the same people and I've, started writing with I still write with but I I think too my music has kind of taken a bluesier twist that's always been in me and so I think that I'm writing with some people that are a little bit more bluesy a little bit more soulful now and so it just depends on for if it's if we're writing for my project I have kind of a certain pool of people that I know I'll write best with but if I'm writing in general 
you know, like if I'm no, I'm going to go in and write a country song that day or an, like a folk song that day, like there's certain people that I know I can write best with. And they'll drag out certain sounds in your music and so. Yeah. And there, is it also a sort of case that, you know, there'll be some people that you can get really, like, really deep into emotions and there are some people you're like, mm, I can write a more fun song with them and it can be a bit more, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you ask most of my co-writers, I tend to be, like, a lot of my girlfriends that are co-writers, they'll always be like, Jen's like a therapy session when you go write a song with her because I do think that it's important to like tap into real emotions and what's happening. And so I have like this, this chase up in my studio where you can sit and like, we'll talk about, you know, life for an hour before we write. And so they're they're lying on the sofa and you're telling you, you're like got a pad of paper out or something. Totally, totally. No, but I think that it's interesting too. And I see this in other songwriters, but I've heard people say like, I'll say nothing about writing a certain song mm-hmm. with someone and as they're performing it or someone will see a video and say, Hey, did you write that song with them? Cause I can hear you in it, but like, which is so really cool. neat. So that really cool. I love that. And I've heard the same thing with other songwriters of mine and mm-hmm. it, we all just bring out different elements of each other, yeah. but you kind of put your stamp on what you do as well. And I think it's just a cool thing that the more you grow as a songwriter, the more obvious those type of things yeah, become. There's definitely, but Obviously, when you first initially moved to Nashville and, you know, people were saying you're too pop country, all of, all that kind of mumbo jumbo, um, was there ever a point that you were like, okay, I'm just going to pack this all in, you know, maybe do something else because this is too hard? Or was it just like, did you have that belief in yourself and your music that it's just carry on and on? Was it support by the people? How did that happen? Oh, I had those moments. I still have those moments. Yeah. <laughs> but I do believe that this is my calling. Like, yeah. I believe that this is what I was meant to do. And there's been too many stories and too many connections that people mm. have, you know, been encouraged by the music that I know it's what I'm supposed to do. And, I mean, chasing any sort of dream is not easy. And I write about that in my brand new single that I released yeah, I called Fain of Park. We'll get to yeah. that because, oh my, yeah. I'm such a fan of that song. I need to dedicate like 10 minutes this interview to that song alone. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, so that, I mean, that those are my real feelings. That is as vulnerable yeah. and as honest as I can possibly get. It's my favorite song I've ever written. And it's um, that, that kind of, I feel like that song alone probably answers that question. It's like yeah. there's always this hope, you know, like you keep on going because I feel like the moment you're ready to give up, something will happen. Some door will open. Some encouragement will come. But it, there are absolutely those moments when you just think, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to pack it up and do something else, you know? Because that song is just, it's so raw. And it's such a, like, the lyrics, I feel like it's so much of what a lot of songwriters and a lot of artists out there really feel, but are almost too scared to say in a way. Right. And, um, it, did, was it a scary thing, like, putting out that song, putting out such raw feelings? Um, out there not really because I had to do I was almost forced to do it with Jealous of the Angels yeah and I feel like once I realized the transparency and vulnerability like what that does for an audience Mm -hmm. member and what like that allows them the freedom to feel you know and to to express that feeling and I think that once once I did it once it was kind of like it it it's almost like a healing for me as well, yeah. but I know what can happen and I've seen it. So it, 
as much as I thought, well, you know, like nobody really talks about how hard it is, but yeah. here it is, you know, like I'm, I'm about to, I think there was a little bit of me that I didn't want to be like the whiny singer songwriter, like life is so hard by any means. I but just wanted to be that. honest it's about like a, what I was going through. Yeah. And it was, it's not whiny. It's just, it's just real is how yeah. I would describe it. But so obviously you've just like, you just said that Jealous of the Angels was sort of that raw that first raw moment was that did you have a sense of fear then doing that one because obviously it's such a personal song I absolutely did I didn't want to sing it live ever it was never my intention to sing that song live I just wanted to do it for I wanted to write it just to get it off my chest and then I was at the bluebird one night and I was in the round and it was coming up on my turn and I my palms were like sweating my heart was beating out of my chest and I just knew I was supposed to play it. It was that And I did. And after I performed it, I barely got through it. And this woman came up to me and she said, I lost my dad two days ago. I know you played that song for me tonight. And that was just kind of the start of this crazy domino effect. That that story makes me, oh my God, that's, oh. There must have been so many, you must have come across so many people who have that response and getting them through that, to that song. Because obviously, yeah, it's just such a, real and every emotion that anyone who's ever lost someone has gone through yeah um and talk so first of all I'm going to talk a bit a bit about um your your reception I guess the UK and coming over here I know a fan I think I think that's how it initially happened was a fan sent a video to the DJ Simon Bates who debuted they did yes it was a woman named Tracy Harlow and she sent the song to a program called our tune and she sent the story of her own father's loss like the loss of her father and she sent the song I had no idea this was happening I found out on Twitter I didn't know Tracy any of that and I I just saw that you know, Simon Bates played your song today on Smooth. And I was like, what is this about? And so I did a little research. And of course, I immediately think, oh, that's nice. Like an internet radio station that probably has like 30 listeners heard my song today. You know, like, honestly, that was my thought. And then I realized that it was not an internet radio station and that it was, you know, a very large station. And I had just kind of like tweeted them back and we just started this conversation Mm. and this dialogue. And all of a sudden they're asking if I want to do this performance live feed from Nashville. So I went into the studio at about three in the morning and I performed Jealous of the Angels live for a program. And now I'm trying to remember it was, it was for the troops. I think it was something heroes, a program. Was it help help for heroes? Yes, yes, yes. Help for heroes. So I performed the song for that, and it just kind of spread a little bit like wildfire. I had BBC Radio 2 playlisted it. The next thing I know, my friend Christian Kane was going on tour, and he allowed me to support his tour just to kind of get over there because I'd never done any touring over there. So, and I performed it on BBC Breakfast, and it went number one. It was crazy. And while this was happening, back in – was similar things happening in the, in the U.S., or was it just like oh. – a couple weeks before any of this happened I had just like I said this prayer and I was like look god I've done everything I know how to do like to move forward like you are gonna have to open some doors like in order to and he opens the door <laughs> a- across the pond <laughs> I know. And little did I know it would be there, but it it was funny. But a year before this though, I was sitting across the table from a friend and I said, 
we were just kind of talking about goals and dreams mm-hmm. and what we wanted. And I love Europe. I had a chance to go when I was 15 with my mom. She took me all over the place. And I just told her, I was like, I'd really like to figure out a way that I can busk in Europe with a keyboard. I like, know. I just want to go to Europe. You know and that's then... not going to be the way you first make your intro. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was crazy. And then, so obviously, also you've won, like, international... You've won awards um, in the country scene for being that international presence. Do you think often that, you know, um, that that's given something to your music, like having that international element? um, And it sort of... Because obviously a lot of artists, they start off in Nashville and they often remain there because it's a harder it's becoming easier but it's a very hard market to think bring across do you think it's changed your music having that element and having it abroad yeah I think that with if anything with with touring and just kind of seeing the world in a different way and like meeting people from different cultures and things like that I think that I've been able to like that's all coming through in my music I think that you know what what you experience ends up in the songs for me and so that that has definitely opened my eyes to how big this world is and how there is a place for the music, wherever, you know, wherever that might be. And in Nashville, I'm still not quite country enough for them to be kind of considered for certain things. And I'm grateful to the Opry. They've had me perform several times there and I've gotten to perform with the Ryman. So I definitely have a little bit of country support here. But it's been, I mean, since I'm independent and I've remained that way, mm-hmm. it's kind of more the singer-songwriter route that has been yeah. the most accessible to me here in the States. And I do a lot of touring and I do, I mean, I've started to tour in Mexico now and, wow. you know, I did some dates in Switzerland and Sweden. And so it's it's amazing to me that there's a hunger for music everywhere. And I think if anything, that's what this is, this whole life has taught me. And again, it goes back to the, I don't need to be assigned to a giant record label and, you know, like doing a thousand seat theaters in order to be successful and to be happy in life. And so that, I mean, I'm grateful that I feel like touring internationally has absolutely taught me that. Yeah. And then moving on from obviously Jairus the Angels was a huge success over here in that album. Um, and then you moved on to Faithful, which it's sort of, it was kind of like slight transition. Um, was that partly because, um, you worked with lots of different, um, writers on it? I know you worked with Barrett, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name. (laughs) You're Um, fine. (laughs) Barrett, you're, 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 you know, obviously we talked about partnerships and music, um, but they bring out different elements. And also how did that, those partnerships like happen? Yeah, they do bring out different elements. I, um, I think it was a great learning experience mm-hmm. and I love some of those songs and I had a chance to really dabble in pop, you know, and yeah. to try that out. And Lauren and I are very, very close still, and we still write together a lot. There's actually a new song on the upcoming record called Lamp that we wrote together. And we've just continued to work on several projects together. But I think um, I was working with a team, a management and publishing team, that they said, you know, like, wow, there's been this success with Jealous of the Angels. Let's get you in a room with all these different producers and all these different writers and see what happens. And that's kind of what happened with the Faithful record, which was a like I said, a great learning experience. I'm proud of that record. But for the revival, this new album, it was kind of me saying, pumping, pump the brakes. Like, 
this is like, this is fun and it's learning experience, but this is not 100% authentically me. And that's what I needed to get back to. And so mutually just for different vision reasons, I broke from my team and I'm now managing myself (laughs) and, um, I'm doing kind of everything on my own. Is it hard? The challenges of like, guess having to be your own publicist and all the rest of it. Is that just that yeah. challenges? I mean, I've hired a PR company like Steve, you oh, know, okay. to help out, which has been so grateful because he's connected me around the UK because it's so hard to know. I mean, when you're yeah. not in the country too, like where to reach out even. Yeah, so that's yeah. been great. But I think um, with this new record, I think that it will, I think people have already started to feel how authentic it is and oh how he is in it, you know, and that like, all the co-writers that I wrote this record with are like my best friends in the world. And all the musicians that played on it are my best friends. I mean, my, my brother played bass guitar. So like these, this project is so much what I've been longing to make mm-hmm. that I think I just kind of needed to step away from kind of all the voices saying, well, this will be on radio or this would be more marketable and just make the music I wanted to make. And whatever's going to happen with it is going to happen. But I am so proud of the record and I'm so happy with what we created. And I find that often the the reception is that when you take that step back of um, being true to yourself, people do recognize that in the music. And even though they don't know you and all the rest of it, it's still like, oh my gosh, that's so you. And there's so much authenticity to it. And then do you think that comes across? Because um, obviously you've got the song revival of revival. Um, I the gospel singers and that bringing that element in. I I just love. I don't think anyone can listen to that song and not smile. It's just so oh, uplifting. Thank you so sweet. That's um, encouraging. So it, was that important? Was that an important thing to bring those in uh, um, the gospel singers in with you? And are you going to have them on tour with you when you go across? Oh, I wish. I wish I could afford it. We'll see how yeah, well the shows true. sell. No, no, Maybe I'll be able to for, yeah. you know, Bush Hall or something. <laughs> but it's it was really important to me to have them because I, I just wanted to create music that really inspires me. And mm. I, I think that there's so much power in just bringing strength and joy to the world. And that, like like you said, that's my goal. Like if you listen to Revival and you're encouraged and you smile and while you're listening, like that was my intention. So that... I think bringing that full gospel choir sound almost makes people feel like they're part of it because they're, they can be a voice that's heard in that, you know, like you can almost put yourself in that and you're singing along and whatever it is. So that is important to me. But it's just uh, like, you feel it in your heart, like your heart starts moving. I love that. You know, that it's just, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's the message. Maybe I don't know what it is, but there's something that touches anyone. And I don't even think, I mean, people obviously I relate to the lyrics but I don't think you even have to be Christian to still feel that um, oh I'm sorry my dog so are you are you really excited to put out the new record is um is sense I guess the sense of coming home there must be for just knowing that it's so you and so raw and it's what you want to put out yeah, I'm really excited for it to come out. Like I said, it's coming out May 4th, but because it is so authentically me, I think it's ex- it's an exciting an exciting time for me to kind of do this show and do this record exactly like I wanted to. And the band that I've hired for the tour is just incredible. They're amazing musicians that live over in the UK. So I've got some really special guests, and one of them is my 
good friend Kishana Armstrong who's coming all the way from Nashville so that'll be really fun that's really exciting uh the particular songs of the record that you're particularly excited people to hear or is it just everything there's one that I actually wrote with Kishana called Haunting Me that is really yeah. fun to sing live and um Faint of Heart I'm, that we already talked about is always yeah. a special one to sing live yeah just because it's anyway yeah i'm so excited for the record and your and all, everything that's coming up for you um the only thing i always end with my final 10 which is just more silly questions great um, so my first question is what's the first record you ever bought or do you remember the first record you ever oh bought? my goodness i imagine it was some sort of musical theater record you know what i do remember buying and it wasn't even a record it was a single i remember buying genie in a bottle Christina Aguilera, oh. which is kind of embarrassing, but yeah. I, no, I, I do remember song. purchasing that with my own money. No, that's because that's the thing is that it's like, quite often you remembered it just because you like saved up all the money and it made meant so much to you. And um, what's one record you'd save from the waves if you were stuck from a, on a desert island? Ooh, uh, there's a record, the Souls Alike record by mm. Bonnie Raitt is probably one I that I would to, love to be stuck on an island with. I need to write down a list of all the music that I need to listen to. <laughs> New stuff. Um, what's your favorite UK food thing you can't wait to have when you get back to the UK? Well, I would either say cream tea or Wegamamas. It's just Wegamamas in general. Ooh, Anything we, on the menu. I love it over there. Is, is, that, <laughs> is that not... Amazing? We have a couple, but we don't have one in Nashville. Oh, so. God. Um, wh- who would be your dream duet partner? Bonnie Raitt. What? She's my favorite. Oh, I ha- again, I have to give her a, ch- a check out. You, if you've not heard her voice, you're missing out. Um, what is your one pet peeve? Ooh, people not doing what they say they're going to do. That's, that's a good one. I like that. Pretty on loyalty. So it, yeah. it bothers me when people hence, are not. Well, hence faithful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, one crazy fact about you people wouldn't know. I still hold the high jump record at my high school. <laughs> oh, my God. As someone who doesn't, is not sporty, I'm very impressed. Um, oh, thank you. I don't, I don't think I'm pretty vertically challenged now, but <laughs> I used, to, used to have some. Um, guilty pleasure. Ooh, uh, binge watching shows on Netflix. Oh God, yeah. The amount of shows on that on that that app or whatever you call it now are just ridiculous. You can just sit there for days on end. Um, the last book you ever read? Ooh, I just read. Oh, I read a book called The Anointing, which was really good. I'm trying to. I think it was by R. T. Kendall. Mm, love it. Um, favorite spot in the UK. Ooh, favorite spot. That's a great, great question as well. I like a venue or just gen any just spot? any just anywhere that you like think of really fondly from the UK. Oh, that's really hard. There's so many good spots. Um, um, um. I really, you know what? I did a really neat interview with Simon Bates at St. Paul's Cathedral in downstairs oh. in the crypt. So I just love that. That whole cathedral is just amazing. Oh, that's a so, good venue. Wow. It is. Um, and one concert that really, like, that really sticks in your memory. I don't know, like, could be just... Like, I sound like a broken memory. record, but I saw Bonnie Raitt at uh, the Ryman Auditorium in 2012. Yeah. And it was the first time I ever got to see her. Oh. And, uh... 
it was amazing. Wow. I need to need to go. I'm gonna go away and just listen to her for the rest of the evening now. <laughs> you should. So the like. And I think for my final thing is just to let people know where they can find you and find your music and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, jenbostic.com has all information, but I run my own social media. So, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those things. Yeah, perfect. Oh, so great to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time for this. Okay. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Have a great rest of your, well, your day, not evening. Day. <laughs> thank you, you too. See you soon. Okay, bye. bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. It's great to speak to Jen. Thank you so much, Jen, for that. As always, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow me on Instagram or on Twitter at Immo Marshall and at Off the Record UK. And I look forward to speaking with you all next week with another exciting guest. Bye, y'all. Maybe I don't fit into the box they want to put me in. Cause I to compromise But I'll keep circling this mountain that stands between where I am and the stars Dreaming was never meant to be for the faint of